0: morning and welcome to Christchurch and happy almost new year. We are just overjoyed to be joined in worship and for our very last worship service here in this space for the year 2023. We're very looking, very much looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us as we take our first steps into the new year tomorrow together. Friends, we are just glad to, to join with you in worship today. If you are um, a kiddo and you are joining us, we would love for you if you have not yet grabbed one of these activity sheets on the way in. Um, this will have a lot of really fun stuff for you. If you're a kid at heart, you might want to take a peek at, at your child neighbor's Um, activity sheet as well because it's just fun stuff in here, folks. If you are a kid and you haven't gotten one, there's one up here that you can come grab for me if you want to. (laughs) Nobody yet. Friends, we're just, again, we're glad to have you. If you are new to the community here at Christchurch, we would love to get a chance to meet you, and so we offer something called Christchurch in Five. Immediately following the, the service, my friend Kelly Sheel will be able to meet with you and, and get a little bit um, more information about your story, what brought you into the life of the church, what you're looking for in terms of next steps of faith, and she may be able to help plug you into um, a next step here in the life of Christchurch, and so be sure to find her after the service and say hello and share a little bit about about yourself with her as she would love to share about the church friends as we continue our time in worship um, I'd love to invite us to take a moment of pause to prepare our hearts to open ourselves to the ways that God may work in and through this time that we have together through our hearts and through our fellowship through this moment of silence let's center ourselves now on the Lord
1: Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's stand together and exalt his name this morning by singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You may be seated. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come before you this morning with the spirit of gratitude. We are thankful for Christmas and the time to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him into our world so that we might better understand who you are and your deep love for us. As we reflect on the past year, Lord, we confess our sins to you. Forgive us for our selfishness as we sought our own ambition, our own desires, and our own way. Forgive us for holding tightly to our lives, for trying to control things and not trusting you with everything. Forgive forgive us for failing to see the people that you put in our path to share your love and forgive us for not acknowledging every gift was from you. Thank you for the hope found only in Jesus Christ. Help us to begin again. Open our eyes that we may really see you and this world you created. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, 1 John 1.9 reminds us that if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please stand as we sing the Gloria Patri. it again. And join me again in prayer. God, thank you for loving us and for allowing us to bring our request to you. This morning we humbly lay before you the desires of our heart, trusting that you hold us in your mighty hands. Today we lift up those who are carrying a heavy burden, for those that are grieving bring comfort. For those that are anxious, bring peace. And for those that are lonely, remind them that you are there walking beside them and they are never alone. We pray for our church. Help us to be a people who continually seek you. Help us to show your love in the way we extend hospitality and serve one another. And when we gather together in this place, Renew our spirits so that we can leave these walls and go and share your good news in our community. We lift up our mission partners in Chicagoland, in our country, and around the world. Bless their work as they transform communities, lift women and children, relieve suffering, multiply churches and disciples, and develop leaders. Help us to continue to learn about their work and to support them through volunteering and prayer. Lord, we give our lives to you and ask that in the new year you help us to radiate Christ. Now we join our voice together in saying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
0: Friends, before we begin, I actually want us to keep a couple of those phrases that we just prayed together on the forefront of our minds as we continue in worship together. The first of those is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the second is, give us this day our daily bread. Both of these lines are particularly poignant for our conversation this morning, and, and we'll spend more time with them a little bit later. But to get into things, I want to start us off with a question, and that question is for all of us, what did Christmas cost you this year? I would imagine we likely have a lot of different answers. Some of us who are maybe the more analytical and financially minded of the group, we have an immediate answer. It's a numerical figure to the very scent of the sum of all of the gifts, all of the food, all of the drink, all of the decor that made this week possible in your household. You know exactly how much money you spent and likely how it did or maybe did not fit into your family's yearly budget this year. Some people, though of course nobody here or nobody tuning in online either, may be thinking about the relational cost that was incurred this week. There were a lot of hours logged with in-laws, were there not? There were attempts at negotiation with overtired kids, that was maybe my story this week. There were introverts thrown into highly social situations, all of that leaving folks all over the place feeling exhausted from the relational expense. Some of you uh, might be thinking about the sheer amount of time that you spent prepping the house for the family to come, navigating the chaos of the boutiques and the grocery stores in the week leading up to Christmas, carefully cooking every dish and baking every single cookie, wrapping every gift, only to then clean everything up when the guests leave, to to do all of the dishes, to put everything back to where it was before. For some of us, it's the emotional cost of the holiday season, and this is different from the others and how we might treat it today, but it's nonetheless important for us to name and to sit with because so many of us have felt this one most deeply, that emotional cost, cost. Maybe there was an empty chair around your table for the very first time this Christmas. Maybe your holiday period was filled more with loneliness than togetherness, more despair than joy, more anxiety than hope. Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's what you're carrying this morning as you join us in worship. A deep heaviness in the face of a season that presents completely differently. With the exception of of that final example, the, the majority of the cost that we've taken on this season has been to some degree voluntary. Right? A conscious decision has been made on our part to make the payment of financial, relational, or temporal capital in exchange for a very specific experience or a specific feeling. This year, I paid money at Target for a sled so that my kids can go flying down a snowy hill one day. Maybe today. We'll see. Maybe you led your family through a real-life remake of the movie, Four Christmases, so that everyone can enjoy uh, one another and nobody would be excluded. Maybe your rhythms of sleep were disrupted this week after multiple nights in a row staying up late with the family members that you rarely get to see throughout the year. Regardless, in the exchange, in our sacrifice, when we make the decision to invest, to put in, there is some level of hope or confidence or maybe even resignation that it will be worth it in the end. That the result will be worth the cost. And I pray that it was for you this season. And often it is. We, we see the reaction of our parents or our kids when we give them that perfect gift that we have spent time or money on. We deeply enjoy to our very core the togetherness of our family gatherings. After hosting a fulfilling get-together with our loved ones, we forget the hours of prep that went into it and we just reminisce with a smile as we clean up. But sometimes, truthfully, it doesn't feel worth it. Like I mentioned, I bought a sled for my kids for Christmas. It's rained every single day since Christmas. It's not really feeling worth it right now. Sometimes, maybe if we're being honest, the family gathering leaves folks feeling more uncomfortable or hurt. When we don't receive the return on our investment, it starts to not feel worth it at all. So there's some risk involved in this as well. And and furthermore, the the more costly the investment, the greater the perceived risk. I spent $12 on that sled, so it's not a huge risk. It's $12. The likelihood is that it's going to snow and and accumulate to some degree in the next few months, um, so I'm not too worried. Plus, I think I've already gotten my money's worth just from this sermon on the sled (laughs) illustration this morning. But if you're purchasing a car or you're purchasing a home, you are kind of feeling um, and you've put in the countless hours of research, and you're, you're potentially putting up tens or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars, you are feeling the unease of risk. When the cost is high, we make sure as best as we can in our own power that it will indeed be worth it. Now, most of us Probably all of us didn't come to church this morning for a lesson on cost benefit analyses or or risk management. So let's just dive into the scripture this morning. Um, But I want us to keep that initial question in mind What is the cost of Christmas? Now, for um, for those of you who, who were not a part of our um, last four weeks of our Advent series, and, or, or don't know the Magi story, we're, we're punching right into the story of the Magi right at the end. Um, and so, allow me to set the scene a little bit for us. The Magi, who were highly educated and had a vast understanding of the skies, they followed an unusual star that had appeared, and they followed it from the east all the way to the sticks of present-day West Bank to a town called Bethlehem, where that star just settled above the birthplace of this baby boy who was said to be the Messiah. And just before they arrived in Bethlehem, they were instructed by King Herod, the ruler of all Judea at the time, to return to him after they had found the baby so that he too could give honor and worship to this newborn king. The magi end up finding the baby, and in their worship, they offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to this little child and his family. And that's where we pick up right there in Matthew 2. It continues on by saying this, and children, if you have your activity packet, there's some blanks you can fill in as we follow along in this passage. So let's, let's dive in now. It says, and having been warned in a dream to not go back to Herod, they, the magi, return to their country and went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see, in this passage, we get a sense of the cost of, of, of the sacrifice of that original Christmas for the Magi and for Mary and Joseph, and a little bit of how God used that sacrifice as part of his greater story. And at the same time, we watch Herod's self-preservation turn turned devastatingly costly. The Magi have finally found the reason for the star that they have been following for so long. And it, it's even more glorious than they could have even guessed. They have encountered the newborn Messiah, the Word made flesh. And in this encounter, they are moved to pay three different costs. First of all, they give Uh, gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh secondly they disobey Herod and thirdly by returning home through another route three different sacrifices that are made by the magi each adding to the depth of the power of that encounter so let's dive into them a little bit more briefly First of all, the gifts from their own treasures, the gifts from their stash of treasures that they've been carrying, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, these were not inexpensive gifts even for the wealthy type that some believe the magi to have been. And it would have been kind of rude if they were inexpensive, right? You wouldn't, this is a baby whose arrival prompted a brilliant light event in the sky. You weren't going to bring the off-brand type of frankincense to him. So there's a a sacrifice of financial value in the gift that is given by the Magi. Secondly, they disobey Herod's orders. Remember, he invites them to come back to him so that he too can go and worship. Blatantly defying any ruler is generally an unwise idea, but Herod, Herod ruled in a way that even his biggest opponents might reconsider their position. Herod's threshold to rule with violence was remarkably low. And to go against him would A, immediately put a target on the heads of the Magi while they were still within Herod's geographical reign, and B, it would exclude them from any potential reward that they might receive from Herod for aiding him in the search for the child. It's a sacrifice of safety and a sacrifice of a potential monetary windfall from that experience. Finally, they return to their country by another route. Now, this isn't like me deciding later this afternoon to get home via Ogden Avenue or 31st Street. No, this, this is a big deal. Main routes of travel in those days, much like they are today, um, would take the traveler through the most major cities to get from A to B. To get from Bethlehem back to their country in the east, they would, um, th- that, would take the, that would take the traveler um, through Jerusalem, which is where Herod was, which is the person that they are actively disobeying. And so now a little bit different than today, an alternative route, from Bethlehem, back to their country, may not have even existed as a road or a well-traveled path. And yet, that's the route that they decided to take. You see, they may have had to add weeks to their already arduous journey in order to help protect the life of this new king that they encountered. It was a sacrifice of time. It was a sacrifice of energy. It was a sacrifice of their well-being. And so on one hand, we have the self-sacrifice of the Magi. And on the other hand, we see the self-preservation by Herod. You see, Herod hears about the birth of that same Messiah and views it not as something universally beneficial and therefore worth investing himself into, but he views it primarily as a threat to his own power, a threat to his control, a threat to his rule of Judea, And his story, as recorded in Matthew's gospel, shows the truly destructive lengths that he would go to in order to maintain his level of comfort, his status, and his authority in his life. You see, experiencing the advent of the Savior, the Magi surrendered and Herod opposed In weighing the cost of their sacrifice, the Magi were acting as authentically as they possibly could in response to the hope that they experienced with Jesus in the manger. And so, of course, their sacrifice was worth it. We're going to take a moment now to press pause just for a few moments of of music and of reflection together right here in our worship. And as we do... I invite you to consider with Herod, consider with the Magi, consider with me and the people around us, whether the sacrifice for the Savior is indeed a worthwhile cost. Do you know what you're worth? We've spent some time already talking about what the experience of the newborn Jesus was worth for the Magi, based on what we see that it cost them. But what are you worth? I wonder if this passage helps us get closer to an answer there. This is Philippians 2. Verses 5 through 11, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What, what Paul is describing in those words is the cost of, that Jesus experienced for you. God saw the gap that we had placed in between ourselves and him. He saw the price that had to be paid for you and for me and he said it is worth it. And so what did he do? Let's rehash that again. He who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. The king of the universe made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You are worth the God of the universe packing himself into the form of a vulnerable human baby. You are worth him living within the constraints of humanity, though he was fully God. You are worth him becoming obedient to a horrible death so that we would once again have the opportunity to be in right relationship with him. You are worth Jesus' kenosis. Kenosis being a Greek word that describes the act of self-emptying. To God, you are worth it. Not only does this passage describe for us the depths of God's love for you and for me, but it also gives us a blueprint for how we might live our lives in light of God's gift for us. Which is an important note of distinction from how we were discussing cost at the very beginning. We make transactions in our lives constantly. We give something so that we can gain something, right? We pay $12 to receive a red piece of plastic that sits in our living room waiting for the snow and our kids can go down and sled on it. That's my last sled comment, I promise. The problem is we apply that to our faith as well. We we say things like, I will trust God now so that I can get into heaven later. And while that perspective may indeed draw us deeper into relationship with God because of the way that he can redeem our fallenness, it actually kind of gets things backwards in terms of living out our faith. The reality is that we don't live our lives for Christ because of what we might receive in return, but instead as a response to, to the one who has given everything for us. Our sacrifice is a response of worship to the truth of the Christmas narrative that light pierced the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. We are moved to offer ourselves back to God in worship for all that he has done and all that he is doing and will continue to do for all eternity. And that Philippians passage gives us a picture of what that can and what that should look like in our lives. We are invited to use that model of Jesus' kenosis, his self-sacrifice, his self-emptying, to in effect live as little Christs, as Christians, as best we can so that we may bring glory to his name and so that we can open ourselves to, for him to use our sacrifice as an asset for the coming of his kingdom. The Christmas narrative, and especially our text for this morning, captures all of this so beautifully. God, out of his love for us, sent Jesus, fully divine, to be born in humility. The helpless child born to impoverished parents who were, who were taking refuge alongside animals, And yet his glory was such that those who encountered him, even in that lowly place, the magi, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph themselves, they had their lives changed as a result. They then responded by giving up their resources, giving up their comfort, giving up their control, their very lives as an act of worship, allowing the Lord to use them for his good purposes. And this all seems perfect, right? Like those characters in the Christmas story, we can have an encounter with the love of Christ that compels us to live in a way that mirrors the humility and self-sacrifice of Jesus himself. And that is our prayer, that, that we do experience that. But I, and I would imagine we would all agree that that type of cost is indeed worth it. But then why is Herod's story In there. And not only that, why does my lived experience unfortunately often reflect Herod's self preservation instincts? Maybe things aren't so perfect after all. Maybe it's not so easy to live into that type of self sacrifice. Maybe we all have a bit of Herod within us. Theologian A.W. Tozer shares about what he calls the self hyphenated sins, self-worship, self-centeredness, and the like, postures of our brokenness that all put ourselves as the axis of our worlds and drive us toward a lifestyle of self-preservation. Quite simply, if we are the center and the sustainer of our lives, we must do what we can to maintain that. This flies in the face of the the Philippians 2 model of kenosis, of the self-emptying, and the self-sacrificing and the self-denying. We desire to preserve ourselves because without ourselves, we fear that we might lose our influence, our impact, our imprint on the world because it seems as though that we are the ones that have designed and established all of that for ourselves. C.S. Lewis, in his notable work, Mere Christianity, writes this. He says, God made us, invented us, As man invents an engine, a car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other You see, self-preservation is the act of filling our engines with diesel when they run on gasoline. We have been designed by God, given life by God, we are sustained by God, and yet we try to feed and fuel ourselves on our own, neglecting the one who is the life, the light of all humankind. Sometimes I I admit, I think that the people who designed the gas station fuel pumps are out to get us, or maybe more accurately, out to get me. It has been more times than I'd like to admit that I will pull up to a pump um, to put gasoline into my car and I see four pump handles all lined up, each of them with a different color, none of them readily setting themselves apart as diesel. And so it's in those moments that I need to really, really focus on what I'm doing. Because worse than paying for the service to remove the diesel out of my engine and clean the fuel filters and the injectors would be me coming up to the mechanic and saying, yeah, I pulled the, pulled the wrong fuel, fuel handle. It seems so easy to do sometimes. What happens when we put the wrong fuel in our engines? We have to empty out what that engine is currently trying to run on and replace it with that which will make it thrive. Not only will that type of kenosis allow the Lord to fill us and draw us into life to the full, as Jesus puts it, but self sacrifice gives us the opportunity for even greater impact and influence than we could ever ask or imagine. If we self preserve, we are limited by our own power, running on the wrong fuel. But when we lean into the humility of Christ, we open ourselves. And we open our stories to be used by God in powerful ways. One of my favorite pieces of our our passage for today in the Christmas story is how clearly God uses the sacrifices of these individuals as impactful pieces to his plan in ways that they couldn't even have guessed. The Magi, they presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to this new family of three. And that may have been a sacrifice of, finan- of financial value for them. Shortly after they leave, Mary and Joseph are forced to flee to Egypt, which is not a short or inexpensive trip, and especially for an impoverished family. Biblical historians tell us that it is highly likely that the gifts of the Magi would have financed the trip from Bethlehem to Egypt and back to Nazareth, meaning that God used the sacrifice of the Magi To preserve the life of Jesus in the face of danger. Mary and Joseph's sacrifice of fleeing to Egypt caused them to return to a different city, Nazareth, the city where it was prophesied that the Messiah would be from. There are two other prophecies in that passage alone that are fulfilled through God's use of faithful people and their sacrifice. Are we hearing what God can do in our lives when we lay it down in front of him? God works in our sacrifice for his glory. How might God use your surrendered life in his good plan for ushering in his kingdom this season? Now I mentioned that we would come back to those two lines that we prayed together earlier in the Lord's Prayer. You see that those two lines are are perfect for us to lean on together this week. Especially for those of us who are wrestling more prominently with the temptation toward that self-preservation that we see in Herod. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are calling God to usher in his kingdom via his plan. Aligning our lives with those words require an emptying of our ego, a sacrifice of our plan so that we may be open to being a part of his great plan that he is writing even now. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. We're inviting God to be our sole sustainer and provider. And therefore, we are inviting the Spirit to form us in a way that lessens the temptation to give ourselves those roles of sustainer and provider to ourselves in our lives. May the Lord give us exactly what we need to live this day because we cannot do it ourselves. So friends, as we come to a close on this magical series that we've been traveling through as a church community and and at the same time we prepare to step foot into a new year, I wonder if we are really ready to follow the example of the Magi in how we respond to the newborn king. What would it take for us to fully lean into Jesus' self-emptying that we are called to model In our lives? How might we be seeking preservation for ourselves in a way that actually prevents us from experiencing more fully who it is we were made and designed to be? In light of the Christmas story, what cost are we prepared to take on? What level of surrender feels appropriate? Friends, we have the opportunity today, even before our New Year's resolutions begin to kick in, to more deeply live into the humility and the self-sacrifice of Jesus, to model that in order to give glory to God and to be used in powerful ways as agents of God's coming kingdom. Would you pray with me? Great God, we do come before you this morning and we are humbled and in awe of what you have given. God, it is only you who can give to that level. You, a God who are full of love, a God who is full of grace, a being who is full of power and majesty. And so God, in light of who you are, may we respond with authentic worship. As we have encounters of you in our daily lives, as we seek to to draw close to you and near to you, as we experience you in your scripture and through prayer, Lord, we pray that you would work in us a response of kenosis. A response of self-sacrifice, of self-emptying. God, a response of full surrender. And as we do, may we be blown away by the ways that you can use us in our surrender to bring glory to your name and to make your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, we together pray. Amen.
1: wrap up 2023, we'd like to say from Christ Church, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the ways you've given your time, your resources to lift those around you, and thank you for supporting the ministries of our church and of our mission partners. And so as our ushers come forward now, we invite you to consider what else might you be generous with? What else might you sacrifice? as we give back His tithes and our offerings. You may also be seated.
0: Well, friends, before we prepare to let you go into the new year a few minutes early, we do have a couple of places that we'd love to point your attention in the coming weeks as we continue ahead into 2024 um, as a church community. We're excited for the things to come. First of all, we'd love to have you grab one of these January calendar cards that outlines everything that is happening within the life of this church community in the month of January, and a couple pieces that I'd like to point out to you on that. First of all, next Sunday, we are starting a two-part series that we are excited about entitled How to Raise Humans in a Complex World. And there are going to be two guest speakers that are also going to be offering um, some workshops um, in addition to the Sunday morning messages as well for all of us who, whether or not we have raising families on the forefront of our mind, this is truly gonna be um, an impactful experience for us as a church community as we look into these biblical truths that that our guest teachers are going to be offering for us. Also next Sunday, we are going to be um, experiencing the sacrament of Holy Communion together, and so we would love to invite you back for that as we engage in that together as a church community, as a family, um, to come before the table of the Lord together. So we're excited to invite you back for that. Friends, as a reminder, um, if you are new or newer to the community, uh, my friend Kelly would love to meet you if you are here in the auditorium right through the glass doors as we leave today. If you're joining us online and you're new and you're checking us out and you'd like to learn more, you can just write I'm new in the chat or, and our chat host will be able to reach out um, and have, give you that same experience of Christchurch and Five. And friends, if you did come in this morning and you are carrying a weight or a burden or you are feeling some of that emotional cost, that we talked about a little bit earlier, we have folks on hand to pray with you and for you, and it would be their honor um, to come before the Lord with you in that way. And so you can find them if you're joining us online, our chat host will be able to, to um, engage with you in that way. And if you're here in the sanctuary with us, um, you can find that over in the banner um, back by our prayer room. Well, friends, as we go, would you stand as we receive this benediction? As we go into the new year, may we go as people fully surrendered, fully surrendered to the God who loves us so deeply that he would humble himself to even death, death on a cross. And as we do, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you this day until we meet again and forevermore. Amen. (laughs) Oh <laughs>